Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell, here to talk all things Auburn. Now that football season has come and gone, we've decided this is just going to be a more generic Auburn podcast. Obviously, if there's ever any football news, we got you covered, but we're going to talk about the great university that we all love so much. So we got plenty of news for you today, and we're also going to recap the national championship game, our SEC friends or foes, however you look at it. The LSU Tigers won the national title, so we are going to break that one down. Jason, how's your week been, my guy? Well... My week was pretty good, besides seeing that redfish um, grill, you know, <laughs> you putting on bread pudding and chocolate dessert on top of it and everything down in New Orleans, enjoying yourself for the national championship game. Why me? Well, you know. <laughs> I was here on a plant-based fast for a couple of days, so. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so well, we were having very different weekends because I'm pretty sure I ate my way through New Orleans. I based <laughs> my day around what I was having each meal because that's how you have to do it down there in Louisiana. I ate everything in sight. So oh, yeah. uh, I tried to share a little bit on my Instagram story, just, you know, spread the love, but apparently people got a little jealous. So hate it for you. But uh, it was awesome. I was down there for like six days. It felt like four weeks. Like by the time I got home, I was like, I don't even know what year it is. Like my sleep schedule is very confused, but it was such a cool atmosphere down there. Excited for LSU, excited for the SEC. Uh, so I don't have to hear me being in Charlotte. I don't have to hear Clemson people for a little while, which will be nice because they love to, you know, talk on and on about what they're building there and how they're so much better than the SEC and blee blue blah. I, I really am okay with not hearing about that. The thing is, they're going to be back next year. It is yeah. what it is. No, they're they're not going to be contested in the ACC, and Trevor Lawrence will be back next year. So go ahead and book your trip to Miami for the national championship next year. We'll see you there. It's just a matter of which SEC team will meet you there. So exactly. And they that. started out strong. Though. They started out 17-7. I was like, uh-oh. I know. I know. I thought they had figured it out, but LSU had too much talent. So yeah. we'll break that one down a little bit uh, at the end. Want to talk Auburn real quick, though. There's a few storylines across the board in different sports. We'll start with football, though. As we mentioned last week, J.B. Grimes stepped down uh, as the offensive line coach, and Auburn has now hired Jack Bicknell Jr. to be the O-line coach. He has 33 years of coaching experience. The last three years, he was the O-line coach at Ole Miss. He has a really unique resume to me. I, I, I'm really glad he has O-line coaching experience in the SEC. I think that is just incredibly beneficial for him to come over to Auburn, knowing that and having that uh, competition level so fresh, and he knows what defenses he's working with and things like that. He also has seven seasons in the NFL and he was a head coach at Louisiana Tech. So I think his leadership style is also going to be really strong because he's been in a head coach role. Um, what do you know about him? What have you been hearing around the program? Uh, I have to imagine they feel really good about this adding in with Chad Morris and, and all the pieces kind of falling together. But uh, what do you think about this hire? Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Gus and Chad both wanted someone that had experience in the SEC. And like I said, this guy has been the Ole Miss O-line coach for the last three years, which pays off huge dividends because you're not really having to teach him anything new about the SEC. So he's seen all the defenses. He knows all the nuances of which coordinators like to do 
of our opponents that we would play uh, defensive wise and with their fronts and everything. So this whole offseason, he's going through film work. He's going through tape and he has teaching tape against the guys that we played against already this year because Ole Miss was on the same side in SEC West. So that helps a lot. The other thing is mm-hmm. he was a head coach for seven years uh, during his span. And uh, that gives him incredible experience because you're talking about Chad Morris, who was a head coach, Gus, who's a head coach. And now you're talking about Jack Bennell, who's a head coach, who was a head coach. So you have three Very coaches true. of head coach experience on our staff and all three are on the offensive side of the ball. So that's a big key in, within itself. And then the other thing is, you know, you mentioned all these years of experience. You know, he spent like seven seasons in the National Football League. You know, so if I'm a, a young kid that's, I'm, if I'm a young kid that's coming from college, coming from high school, and I'm looking to come to somewhere where I can feel like they, I can get developed. And he was part of a, a Super Bowl championship team. So mm-hmm. here's experience that this guy has. That I'm a parent. I'm like, okay, he knows how to develop my child. And when right. you think about offensive linemen. You know, it's a position that doesn't get all the hoop rays that the quarterbacks and receivers and everybody that's touching the ball every play gets. But these are the guys that build a wall in front of the quarterback. These are the guys that open a hole for the run game. If you think about right. what Ole Miss did with their run game with the quarterback that they had this year, he's a more of a running style quarterback who was another mm-hmm. true freshman, uh, you know, just like Bo. So he gets it, you know, so it's going to be he's going to be able to take some of that film work and plug it in and improvise some more run run plays for, I think, for Bo. But in order for us to do that, we must have a backup quarterback that we can depend on if we're going to run him that much. So there's a lot to go into this. It's a, I think it's a really good hire. And hopefully Kendall Simmons is still on the staff um, helping out as well. So there's a lot of NFL experience along with SEC experience that can help these guys out. I agree with you. I think this is shaping up to be a really phenomenal coaching staff. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the two guys on the offensive side that have head coach experience and you've got Kevin Steele who could be a head coach anywhere he wanted to go. He's opting to stay the defensive coordinator at Auburn. So this staff has the makings of laying the foundation for a national championship football team. I I think Jack McNell is going to have to really develop these guys because like we mentioned last week, a lot of the starters on the O-line are gone. And so he's going to be working with a lot of young talent and I'm hopeful that he's going to be the guy that can mold them to understand their responsibility because it's certainly the case across the board in college football where a lot of programs are becoming very run heavy, but it's definitely the case at Auburn An Auburn offense works run first and that all starts with the line. And so they have to understand their role and and their importance because without them, as we saw in the bowl game, there will be no success on the offensive side. So I think more than anything, I'm I'm really encouraged by how quickly Auburn is implementing some change. The change that they really like immediately saw and then acted on it. And and that gives the players uh, a sense of, okay, we're not messing around. Like it's January and we are already laying a very firm foundation for August, September. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as they needed an OC and Chad Morris got fired from Arkansas, they went and got him. The O-line didn't produce well in the bowl game. J.B. Grimes is gone. We're bringing someone else in from the SEC. Like, they're acting quickly, and I think that being assertive in the SEC is going to get you production come season. And the other two things out of that, Taylor, is Chad Morris, Arkansas, SEC. And like you said, you know, with Jack mm-hmm. Nell. so these guys are already recruiting for the SEC. So you never know, like, who's all who's top on their recruiting board that, that that may come over with him as far as like a top recruit, maybe a, a top offensive lineman here that 
that Jack Donnell was was recruiting. You know, now he's at Auburn, right. and the kid may be like, hey, I want to take a visit to Auburn now and, since you're there and, and, and see how I fit in there. And, and we may end up getting a top O-lineman that way and, uh, mm-hmm. and everything. So it's huge within the benefit of recruiting process because signing day is coming up, first week in February. So that gives us uh, three weeks, you know, to for these guys to, to maybe pull over some of their recruits and uh, before signing day. Absolutely. And it gives the kids that are considering Auburn a full expectation of what it would be like if they signed with Auburn. There's no question mark. There's no, oh, we're we're looking for a great coach. No, here's our staff. They have proven resumes and they're ready to mold you into an Auburn Tiger. You just have to accept. And I think that that's a, a great position to be heading into signing period. Um, other sports news around Auburn that I want to touch on real quick. Great news for the baseball team coming out of this week. Auburn legend Tim Hudson is joining the baseball staff as the pitching coach. This got me so excited. I mean, I was so pumped when Gabe Gross joined the staff last year, and I think he was such a great addition to that program. And obviously their run in Omaha and everything that they achieved last year. Now you add Tim Hudson to the mix. Like, talk about the Auburn family. This stuff gets me so fired up because – they say all the time, you can take the person out of Auburn, but you can't take Auburn out of the person. And I think that's so evident. Tim Hudson is a great example of of a guy that found so much success after leaving Auburn. He really established himself in the MLB and has done great things. And he still wanted to give back to Auburn. Like, I just think that says so much about what this university does for people. Um, and I think he's going to make quite the impact on this baseball team. Jason, I know, you know, Tim and, and Auburn fans are so excited about this. What kind of impact do you think he'll make for that program? Well, first of all, Taylor, I'm sorry, but I'm putting in my resume, Auburn. I'm coming back to Auburn as the quarterback's <laughs> coach. Yes, you know, everybody, I want to see it. Is getting hired. The Auburn <laughs> family is coming together. Marquise Daniels on the basketball team and Gabe Gross and Tim Hudson and Cadillac, Cadillac. Williams and Kimble yeah. Simmons. Well, let's relax. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like recruiting. I don't feel like being up 12 hey, hours you do a day. the radio. You're still involved. Yeah, exactly. I'm still involved through the radio, and I enjoy <laughs> it. I enjoy it. I have fun. There you go. It's, it's, I enjoy it. So back to Tim Hudson, my fan, my fault, <laughs> Auburn fan. I have to rub that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> Tim, great guy. Wife is an awesome person. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to their house before for the Auburn event, um, and they, you know, they were so welcoming. And every time I see them at a football game, they're on the sidelines or whether it's some big time Auburn event and I see them, they've always come up and talk to me. I've always had conversations with them. And, you know, Tim is a guy that, you know, such an outstanding character person as well as a, as well as now he's going to be a coach. So, you know, these kids, I don't think they really realize the opportunity that they have. You're talking about someone that played almost 20 years in, in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you have Gay Gross on, on the sidelines as well. You know, another guy that's, that's played many years in, in Major League Baseball. And, you know, these guys, they've seen it firsthand. They know exactly what it takes to get to that next level. If that's your dream, they know exactly what it takes to be a student athlete. So if I'm soaking up all the knowledge, if I'm these kids, because it doesn't get any better than that. You know, we have great coaches already on staff. But at the same time, though, when you get a player, sometimes kids tend to listen just a little bit different because they're going to say, man, he walked in the shoes that I'm trying to walk in. And, mm. 
and it makes and it just makes you just soak it up just a little bit more. Yes, I'm still listening to my coach because coaches are just like fathers away from home. Mm-hmm. They have their major influence. But now this guy's a coach and he's a former player. So I'm just like, man, like, and some guys may be amazed, like, man, this is Tim Hudson. You know, like, you know, this is Tim Hudson. <laughs> but some, yeah. you know, I know guys of my generation would, you know, I don't know if the younger generation mm-hmm. still remember him, but my generation does. So, uh, you know, just decided, man, Auburn's doing some great things uh, in every sport, not just football, but basketball, baseball, you know, the girls softball team, I know just the, the equestrian team, everybody's doing mm-hmm. really well right now. And I'm just proud to be an Auburn, Auburn Tiger. I totally agree with you. I think that this just brings so much more excitement that was already established last season after the team made it to the College World Series and everything that they were accomplishing. I think this just continues them on that trajectory. And a lot of the guys from last year opted to stay. And so I think this really sets up for another great season. And I think the impact of Tim Hudson is going to be evident really quickly. I think this is a guy that found success at both the college and the professional level. And in really in any aspect of life, but certainly as an athlete, you have to be a sponge. If you're lucky enough to be surrounded by great people, uh, great mentors, great coaches, you soak up everything that they have to offer you. And I think these baseball players are being given such a great opportunity to soak up the wisdom of guys like Gabe Gross and Tim Hudson, and they would be idiots not to take advantage of it. And I don't think they will. I think that they really will see the opportunity that is in front of them to become their best because of the coaching staff that has been put around them in Auburn. And I totally agree with you that I think Auburn is has really made so much effort to pour into the athletics. And I commend Alan Green. I think he has done such a phenomenal job as the AD. He is a guy that I have met when I've been back in Auburn uh, working as a reporter, and he just could not be nicer, more down to earth. He's very personable and approachable. And I just think that he gets it. He he has goals. He takes the initiative to bring them to life. And I think we're seeing the results of his hard work in multiple sports. Right. And he's uh, he's a young guy. You know, you're talking about a yeah. guy that's in his mid 40s. And uh, so he can relate a lot more and uh, to this younger generation and kind of feel, get a feel for like what it is that they need now you know not what we needed 10 years ago or five years ago but what we need now in the moment and we think about auburn baseball team like you can't teach experience and going to omaha last year is like it's a big encouragement because it teaches these guys to understand like man we just believe in each other we can achieve and now that they understand that going into this season with a more veteran baseball team Yes, there's going to be some pressure mounting up because expectations have moved up since we mm-hmm. moved to who won last year. So now you're thinking about, okay, but how we handle expectations this year is going to be the key to our success. That's the same thing I say about our basketball team. How we handle success, you know, it teaches you a lot more because, yes, we start off 15-0. and 0. We'll get to that in a minute. But the point is how you handle it is even bigger than what you did the year before. And right. so for our baseball team going to this season, my, my, my point to them is they're probably here from Tim. They're here from Gabe is guys, what happened last year was last year, but we can mm-hmm. build off of it, but don't think we can just show up this year. And all of a sudden, cause what we did last year is going to pay off for us. Like teams, right. just gonna, 
all of a sudden just back down. No, once you become the king, you become the hunted. So teams are going to mm-hmm. hunt you down to beat you. So you have to have that mindset of I'm going in at the mentality where I'm not forgetting about last year, but I'm holding that honor of what happened last year and going even up and above higher. Absolutely. I mean, you're not guaranteed to replicate history, but mm-hmm. Auburn is certainly making the steps to give them all the resources that they need to find success. I even saw today that for the first time in program history, they have sold out of season tickets. So oh. already the hype around this baseball program <laughs> and this season is off the charts. And I think that's both super exciting, but it also can't get the best of these guys. And you know who, who also deserves credit, though, to be able to, to accept these hires? It's Bush Thompson. Oh, you know, like, I have so much respect for him. Yeah, the first time I met this guy, he was just like, it's almost like I ran to another Bruce Pearl. I met him in Atlanta for an event. He was so energetic about his baseball team and having an opportunity (laughs) to head coach at baseball and, you know, how things were going to turn around and how much young talent he had. And this was two years ago uh, when I met him. And uh, so kudos to him and to being able to to understand how important it is to hire former guys that know the game. You know, he just didn't hire them because they played baseball. They hired them because they know the game. And, uh, and he can be beneficial to the coaching staff. And I think he was the right fit for this program. And you've seen the success that he's had already. And I think that's even evident in the hires that he has implemented. But something that really stood out to me about him was the way he handled the team after the passing of Rod Bramlett. Mm-hmm. I think that happened in May in the middle of their season. And the coaches and the players, they knew Rod. And it was – I mean, it was heartbreaking for the Auburn family in general, much less guys that regularly saw him and interacted with him and heard his voice. Like Butch really had to take on a role in the midst of season that was really complicated because you you have to accept the emotion that comes with a situation like that and and be there for these guys. But you also have to continue to chase your goals and not feel like you're being selfish. And it's such a layered task that he had to undertake. And all of the interviews and anything that I have heard personally from the players about the way Coach Thompson handled that situation, I think that was a very evident showcase of what he's trying to do to build character in these guys. And I think at Auburn, that is something that every sport wants to leap with, how to become an Auburn man or woman. And Butch Thompson is carrying that over into the baseball program. So my hat's off to them. I'm super pumped for their season, and and I think it's going to be a great year for them. Um, so you've kind of mentioned it a little bit. Unfortunately, the basketball team, I'm a little salty as everyone is because the team was undefeated. They were killing it this season, and they get the first loss, which is difficult in and of itself. But the first loss also happens to be to Alabama. And I think that is really what's more difficult. I'm not salty that they lost. Basketball season is seven years long. You're not going (laughs) to go undefeated the entire season. A loss was inevitable. And honestly, this kind of feels like ripping the Band-Aid. Like, we got it out of the way. They don't have to worry about that pressure of a streak anymore. The difficulty is that it's to your arch rival, and it came in Tuscaloosa. That's just a little difficult to accept. Well, I'm going to go on the high side of things here, Taylor. <laughs> what I mean by that is, had we lost to, like, 
someone like St. Louis, would it have meant much? You know what I'm saying? Like, had we came back with that desire and that fight to like, man, but when you lose to Alabama, your arch rival in state, and you're 15 and 0, and you won what 27 of your last 28 games, mm-hmm. and you lose to this team who was eight and seven, it means more to you now because your antennas just went back up. And you saying to yourself, man, we lost to we had to lose out of all people, we lost to those guys. So when you when you lose to that team, it fires you up now because we go to Florida on Saturday, which is another big game. Yeah. And it fires you up now to be like, okay, what are we really made of? We just took a punch in the mouth. How are we gonna come back? We we're we're in a 12 round boxing match for the season. Team's gonna come at us, come at us. This was the first knockout that we got. How, how are we going to get back up? Are we going to get back up Saturday? How we respond in Florida, in Gainesville on mm-hmm. Saturday, or show you really the heart of this team. And I say that because we don't have Harper. We don't have Brown. Those guys, right. no matter if you had – so last night was our biggest turnovers, the most turnovers we had all season. It also was our lowest shooting percentage we had all season. And we couldn't, we couldn't find a way to get the ball inside when we needed to. And our guards, one of our guards fouled out the game. So you're going to have a game like that during, like you say, basketball is a long season. You're going to have a game mm-hmm. like that. But what happened last year is we lost eight games last season. But what happened last season, though, if a game like this happened, we could shoot our way out of it and still win it because of yeah. Harper and Brown. This year, we don't have those type of guys shooting the ball on the outside. Like, yes, they're slashers. They can get to the they can get to the basket. McCormick can get to the basket. Um, you know, they can they can they they count on Wiley getting a bunch of rebounds, but it's not like okay, he can go inside and just make it on his own all the time consistently. But he gets a ton of rebounds. So, yes, this is something we can build off because I look across the nation. There's only what one undefeated team. Um, San Diego State and one other in the SEC, LSU and the SEC uh, match, they're 4-0. But when I think about it, though, this can be a turning point for the Auburn basketball season in a major positive way because when you go through a game like this, there's bigger teaching tape. Kids want to listen. They'll listen yeah. more when you lose than when you win. So now the fact that they're Bruce, me knowing Bruce Pearl, oh, he's in their tail today. You know, they you know, they probably running all kind of sprints for all the turnovers and everything. Cause that's what we lost the game at. We lost the game in the turnovers. Yeah. And yeah. and on the road, no matter who you playing, especially against your arch rival, they're geeked up to play you. We're undefeated. We're rolling in there. It's like Duke coming to Auburn. You know, right. so they they was ecstatic to try to to try to beat us. I ran to many Alabama fans last year that became Auburn fans during March Madness. And you don't hear that often. Hmm. And yeah. And they became Auburn fans during March Madness. And a lot of it has to do with Coach Pearl and the style of play. He allowed his guys to play. That's what I respect about him. He allowed mm-hmm. them to play and make their mistakes. But he doesn't just pull them out of the game because they make a mistake or he just doesn't hold back. He just let them keep playing and play through it. And as a player, you got to love that about your coach. And that's why Auburn recruiting classes are going to be second to none for the next four or five years, however long Bruce Pearl is there because he has built that type of resume and that type of um, commitment around young players. I see it a lot here in Georgia. Auburn is on a lot of these guys' lists. I'm like, good grief, Auburn's on a lot of them. Where you used to wouldn't see yeah. that. So, right. so, you know, it's exciting to be uh, an Auburn fan. He's really turned to Auburn. It was totally almost a football school. Now yeah. it's a 
partial basketball school, and then Bush Thompson's partial baseball school. And then at one moment, the women's softball had a women's softball school for a minute because those girls was was hitting the ball incredibly. So you yeah. know, we've got to build back up. I, I totally agree. I'm so glad to see them really establish such a following in Auburn because I remember when I was in school, I, when football <laughs> season was over, it was like, oh, crap, what do we do? Like, we never went to basketball games. I, I would go to baseball games for like a couple innings, but like that wasn't, it wasn't even close to the following of football. And now you've got so much support and so much buy-in. And I think they go hand in hand. Like those athletes deserve the support and the fandom that we give to football. I, I mean, like they're committing their lives to their sport and working hard. And and I think Bruce Pearl has completely changed the culture. And, and that had to happen first almost. And he's done it simultaneously. Uh, mm-hmm. My sister is younger than, she's five years younger than me. So she was still at Auburn when Bruce was there. And I would ask her, like, what is Bruce like? like do you ever see him on campus? And she's like, he's in the student center all the time. <laughs> like, he, he's just like walking around the Chick-fil-A oh, student center asking, <laughs> yeah, asking if people need homework help or he, he would hand out chicken sandwiches at lunch. Like, he gets it. He knew yeah. how to – he's a very galvanizing figure. I think he's really gotten people – to care. And that is a difficult thing to do, especially when we're very stuck in our ways. I mean, football is king in the South. That is what it is. And he has created this new narrative at Auburn and people care about basketball. And I'm so grateful to see that because I think it's well-deserved and the success is going to continue to come because of that. And we talked about it a little bit with football that a team, when they face adversity, they kind of take on the persona of their head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think this Auburn basketball team is going to take on the persona of Bruce after this loss. He doesn't handle <laughs> losses quietly. He comes right. in with a with an intensity and a boldness about him. And I fully anticipate this team to handle this loss the same way and to bounce back with a a fire in them, and I'm really excited to see that. Hey, Auburn's big time basketball now. I'm just saying, San Diego State is undefeated, and their student session is hollering. Was we want chanting. Auburn. Yeah, we want yep. Auburn. Think about it. last season was a big season for Auburn because it let the nation know who we were from a basketball program. When I was in school Absolutely. in 2002, we went to the Elite Eight. We lost Carmelo Anthony and Syracuse in a heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. Now this team. Has been the first team since 2002. They went to the Final Four, and we were just seconds away from playing for the national championship and probably winning it. But everyone yeah. watches the Final Four, so when you make it to the Final Four, you are worldwide. So Auburn became known, and they didn't have a letdown to start the season this year. So it made people be like, "Okay, they're for real." So we start off 15 and 0 after we lose two of the best shooters to ever shoot the basketball in, in the SEC as a backcourt. And you still respond like that's kudos to your program that's headed in the right direction. And we got the number one, one of the number one point guards in the nation uh, coming to Auburn next year. The kid out of McEachern High School here in Atlanta. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to continue to grow and continue to get players. So this is this is fascinating. I, I wish I could 
be down there for some of these because the environment looks electric. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, a victory over Alabama happened this past weekend. Our gymnastics team defeated okay. Alabama for just the second time since 1980. This has been a very difficult matchup for this Auburn team for years, and I'm not entirely sure why. I'm a big gymnastics fan, and for some reason, this has just been a matchup that Auburn just couldn't put it all together. They won in 2016, and that ended like a 30-something year streak, and then they finally got another win this past weekend. It was the gymnastics team's first SEC meet of the season. It was their first home meet of the season, and it was a sellout crowd. So just another example of a program that is continuing to rise, and people are supporting and buying in, and the environment is what an Auburn athletic event should be. So kudos to the gymnastics team. I actually... um, If there are any gymnastics fans out there, I have another podcast on gymnastics uh, and we had the head coach for the Auburn Tigers, Jeff Graba on, and he uh, raved about this team and really thinks that they have all the potential in the world. And now that they started their SEC slate with a win over Alabama, he feels like that's really given them the confidence they need to go into the rest of this season. So Everyone be sure and keep your eye on that gymnastics team because they've got some talent that uh, they could really have a special season. I tell you what, women are so brave and I commend them because when I do, I do watch gymnastics now. I watch the Olympics and I watch Auburn when they're on TV. Mm -hmm. They're brave because to get up there on those poles and those and swing and to to do those flips and the the balance that you had to have to land silently and not stumble Mm -hmm. and and you got to stick the landing that's a lot of pressure you can do everything else right and you get to the landing and you miss the landing it can cost you major points so i commend the young ladies at auburn and uh all the young ladies that's part of gymnastics because what you do is brave. Yes, people say, yo, playing football is a dangerous game. Yes, football is a dangerous game, but guess what? So is gymnastics. Real quickly before we wrap this episode up, just want to get Jason's perspective on the national championship game as LSU defeated Clemson. Uh, That was kind of the expectation, but like we mentioned, uh, Clemson kind of came out to a fast start, and I think a lot of people were kind of holding their breath a little bit, wondering if LSU had gotten ahead of themselves, but They settled in, got it together, and Joe Burrow and his receivers put on a show like we expected them to. I I just think this was one of the best college football teams, certainly one of the best LSU football teams that we'll ever see. I mean, this was a generational team across the board from Coach O to Joe Brady to Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Elair, the defense, it all fit together. I don't think that you can duplicate that. I think they're going to have a bit of a fall from grace. I know my LSU friends are going to hate me for saying that, but it's going to be true. But I want them to revel in this moment because this team was phenomenal to watch. Yeah, you're exactly right. When you think about this uh, this LSU-Clemson game, the thing that gets me the most is that Auburn played them 23-20 to in Baton Rouge. And this mm-hmm. game was about as close as it gets to a home game for LSU. And it just goes to show you that how close we were to having our season to hit a similar direction, not scoring wise, but just as a team wise, like we wasn't that far away. And um, when I think of the LSU team, they started off the game kind of like Baltimore Ravens did at the playoffs. They was doing everything mm-hmm. totally different than what they was doing all year to get them to that point. 
And then they finally settled in and started to run the football and then do their passing game. Because at first it was just pass, 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 pass. I'm like, what are they doing? You know, they had a little back back there that can that can tote the ball, you know, to kind of take the pressure off uh, a burrow a little bit. So then they got they settled in, they started to run the ball a little bit. Now, first, I think it was a little bit of who's who quarterback is the best, <laughs> you know, and sometimes yeah. coaches can get in ego battles just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, and I think, but during this game, you can tell that Burrow's experience of five years, um, what it did for him, like he never flustered. He just kept coming, kept coming. Cause there was a couple of series he was getting hit pretty well, but he just come back and just continued to play where I saw with Trevor Lawrence, he got affected by the hits. And, yeah. um, you know, I started seeing some things in him that I haven't seen in his whole two years at Clemson. You know, the ball started to sail on him. You know, he started to let go of the ball a lot quicker uh, than he was ready for. And um, you can tell that LSU defense kind of got to him a little bit and they rattled him. Yeah. And this is something he's going to learn from. It's going to be beneficial for him as he continues as a quarterback. But Burrow just show you how much experience really helps you in big ball games. And, um, and it, it doesn't help. It helps a lot when you have those two big receivers in Jefferson and and I can't think of the number one kid. Jamar Chase. Yeah, Jamar Chase. Like those two guys, you know, it's hard to stop them. You know, like yeah. it, it's tough because they're big, they're big tall receivers. They run great routes and they can beat you deep. They can beat you short. And then with the type of passing game that Joe Brady put in for them and isn't making them call their plays. Like they just hit you from so many different angles and uh and everything. But the good thing for the rest of the SEC is most of those guys are gone. The running back's gone. The yeah. quarterback's gone. I know one of the receivers is gone. Uh, the defensive back, he's gone. But the 24 is still there. Patrick Queen with 24 is still there. But And the most important one that's left is Joe Brady. He's gone to the Panthers. So Yeah, you know, he's coming to my neck of the woods. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think we'll be seeing 60 passing touchdowns from a quarterback at LSU no. for a long, long time. And, you know, that's like once in a generation – you know, type thing that happens. Like those guys caught fire this year and, and everything that they was doing to defenses this year, colleges haven't seen it. You know, it's that New Orleans yeah. style offense that Drew Brees and run. And uh you have to have the players and the talent to do it. And uh and LSU was able to do that. But kudos to Dabo though. They came out fighting. They came out swinging. They did. Um they came up 17 to 7. They was in it. The game was still a ball game deep into the third quarter. The only sad thing was seeing a linebacker from Clemson get kicked out of the national championship game. You know, I know you can't hit I the crown in your head, that. but he hit him in the shoulder and not in the head. Yep. And, you know, you would think that they come up with some kind of rule that if he hit him in the shoulder or, or somewhere not in the head area, that it's a warning mm-hmm. the first time. Then the second time, maybe you're kicked out. But if you hit him in right. the head the first time, okay, you're kicked out. Because that was just kind of tough to see kid get kicked out of the national championship game and he was the heart and soul of their defense and it did affect yep. them from that point on for the rest of the game and they were still in it at that point it was still a 10-point game so you know hopefully they find out some type of way to fix that rule um you know based on where the hit area takes place uh and create a warning and instead of just a straight kick out because um it, it definitely had big dividends on the national championship game I completely agree with you. I think that was a really tough call that had a very big impact on the biggest game of the season. And and that certainly will deserve some discussion and some debate because I'm, I'm not entirely sure that that's the right way to handle that. It's, I mean, look, I think it's kind of similar to what we were saying about the basketball team. Trevor Lawrence had never lost 
He mm-hmm. he didn't know, and guys in his class are the same way. And I think there's so much that can be learned from a loss. And a loss at that level, a national championship loss, is going to stick with them. They are going to repeat the things that they did wrong, the things that they did right. They will relive it for a long time until it's time to clean the slate and work on next year. But I think the lessons that these guys are going to learn from that loss will pay dividends. And Trevor Lawrence is not the kind of guy that's going to go out on a loss. And if next year is his last year in college, I I would go ahead and say Clemson's going to win the national title next year. He's not the kind of guy that's going to end it on an L. So I think that this is going to be something that we see them really bounce back and respond to. It wasn't Trevor Lawrence's best game. Arguably, it was one of his worst that I think we've seen, which is bound to happen. I mean, the year before, everyone was so high and mighty on Alabama that that was the best team in Alabama history. And Tua didn't play well. No one played well. And and you just have to – it's about who capitalizes on that moment. And Clemson didn't. LSU did. LSU was a better team, I think, even if Clemson played their absolute best, I still think LSU would have won that game. But um, I don't think that all hope is lost for Clemson. Clemson's going to be right back to where they were uh, come next year. I have so much respect for Travis Etienne. I think he is a phenomenal running back, and we're going to be seeing him for a long time to come. Uh, and T. Higgins, I mean, they just, they're just they stacked at Clemson. Oh, and, yeah. and Dabo's <laughs> recruiting is like not going to take a hit because of this national championship loss like at all. People right. are going to continue to want to be in that program because of what he's established. So uh, I think both teams have so much to be proud of. This LSU team was will absolutely go down in history. I was so happy for Coach O. I was so happy for Steve Insminger after the, you know, horrible, horrible um, situation that took his daughter-in-law's life. I mean, there were just so many levels to this one, and I was so happy for the state of Louisiana and LSU as a whole. And uh, Joe Burrow in his uniform smoking a cigar is a mood (laughs) if I've ever seen one. Yeah, it's going to be captured. And uh, like I say, to Coach Insminger, uh, you know, he was my quarterback coach my junior year at Auburn, uh, stand-up guy, uh, played mm-hmm. at LSU and and everything. So, you know, he meant a lot to me. And in my senior year, he went to tight ends coach and everything. And uh, so I had two years with him at Auburn. And, you know, the passing of his daughter-in-law, you know, the, the tragedy that happened, you know, I know mm-hmm. that probably stung him a lot. I was able to – I was because his son keeps up with me. I keep up with him. So I was able to talk to his Aww. son, his junior and, uh, you know, so everyone just continue to pray for him, you know, uh, you know, it's it tough. It was definitely tough for him and uh, the family. So we keep him in our prayers and everything. But like I said, you know, congratulations to them. This is kind of bittersweet for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one end to win a national championship on the other end, they lost a daughter-in-law and, uh, and everything. But, you know, Coach O, you know, it just goes to show you, like anyone out there, man, don't quit. Uh, you know, this guy yeah. at USC with the old Miss and everything. And then he got an interim job at LSU and, and, you know, and you know, LSU took another chance on him and gave him a chance. And, and like I said, he's a hometown guy for that state. He's mm-hmm. born and raised there and uh, what he's brought to that program. But so if you're a young coach or a young player, you know, don't quit because you get the door slammed in your face one or two times, you know, just keep going, keep moving forward and good things are bound to turn out for you. That is so true. I love his story and seeing him up on that podium holding that trophy was something special. I'm sure even he questioned if that dream was too big, but it happened. So mm-hmm. super special, uh, great end to a great season. And um, on to the next. If you're an NFL fan, 
there's still some good games ahead and uh, could be quite an interesting Super Bowl, one that not a lot of people expected, <laughs> but uh, always a lot to be talking about in the world of sports. So thank you all for listening to us here on Tiger Talk. We're branching out a little bit. We hope you guys are okay with it, but we are going to talk all things Auburn whenever there's some stories to cover. Uh, we appreciate you listening each and every week. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, catch up with us every week. And if you guys have any questions or points of discussion that you would like Jason and I to cover, hit us up on social media. We would love to get some uh, insight and interact with you guys a little bit. So we will be back next week. Everyone have a great week. And of course, War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.